Is it possible that your own brain is trying to make you afraid of yourself? And then we take a look at the story of a man who was dead and buried sitting in a cemetery. But as the image of a chain begins to appear on his tombstone, curious townsfolk pay it a visit. Little do they know, just six feet in the earth lies the spirit of a vengeful ghost. Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you guys are having a great day too. We got a lot of stuff to cover, so let's get started. First off, let's give a shout out to our newest Patreon supporter, Stefan Walnerstrom. Stefan Walnerstrom, thank you so much for supporting the show. Really, really helps out a lot. You're going to be our captain, our pilot this episode. If you can't support the Patreon, totally understand. Just help get the word out about the show. That really, really helps out a lot. I look over at Stefan. So, Stefan, we're going to take a brand new vehicle today. Point point down a little little pill sitting on my table. And before you can ask, wait, what? We shrink. I guess I could have made the pill bigger and then shrunk it, but whatever. It costs less energy. We're tiny. We're climbing into this pill. It's called the Bio Bunny. This is our new microscopic. It's probably bigger than microscopic. It's the size of a pill. This is our device for flying inside the human body. And now we have a test subject. We have hired this hobo straight off the train tracks to swallow us. And he's like, my pleasure. So we're flying around this dude's esophagus. Stefan's like outrunning white blood cells. They're like, oi, oi, oi. They got their little batons. We're not going down south. We're headed right up to the brain. So the reason why we're in the brain, the reason why I had that whole setup, is I wanted to talk to you very briefly about a thing called intrusive thoughts. I say very briefly because this is the third time I've recorded this segment. I seem to go on a bit because I find this fascinating. I don't know if it's 17 minutes fascinating, but here is what intrusive thoughts are. Some of you, almost all of you guys have had them, but most of you probably don't know there's a term for it. It's an unwanted thought. It's a thought that gets stuck in your head. It's something that scares you. It's a thought that you would never, ever, ever act on, but it gets stuck in a feedback loop. Hannah Reese wrote an article for Psychology Today. And she talks about her own experience with intrusive thoughts. She was a brand new mother. She has a little baby, little baby person in her arms. She's like, I love my son. He's super cute. He's dope. But when I stood at the top of the stairs with my son in my arms, I'd want to throw him down the stairs and watch his little broken body at the bottom of the stairs. And she goes, scary thought? Yes. Normal? Yes. Because that is an intrusive thought. She would never do that. She didn't, at least at the time of publishing that article. No, her son's much older now. He can fight back. An intrusive thought is something like that. You're sitting there with your loved one, and they're talking, and you're talking. You guys are having a good conversation and everything like that. And in your head, you just think, I just want to scream in her face, shut up, shut up, just shut up. And you're like, why am I thinking that? Why would I ever think about someone I loved in such angry terms? It's a fluke of biology. We don't know what causes them. That's what's so bizarre. We know how to treat them. You acknowledge that they're there and just move on. A lot of people, and I've done this too, a lot of people, like when I was having intrusive thoughts and didn't really know what it was, I finally Googled, what is going on in my brain? Why am I thinking of being so cruel to my loved ones? And it pops right up, intrusive thoughts. I don't know if you Google that exact term, but it pops right up. You're having an intrusive thought, 
They're totally normal. We don't know what causes them. We do know, this is interesting, we do know that intrusive thoughts can lead to obsessive-compulsive disorder. So Hannah Reese, for example, it would become obsessive-compulsive disorder if she refused to stand at the top of stairs. I've actually wanted to do this segment for a while because, again, I think everyone suffers from them. I want to share with you some of my intrusive thoughts because they're actually so stupid. Like, in the moment, they scare me. But when I say them out loud when I was prepping this segment, and one of the reasons why I went on for 17 minutes, they're so dumb that you'll laugh at them as I'm shivering in the corner. And longtime listeners of the show will start to recognize a pattern. They'll be like, that's why he does those type of stories. Because they trigger my intrusive thoughts. Stuff I would never, ever do. If you listen to the show long enough, you're like, oh, he's mentioned that one. He's mentioned that one. Let's take a look at some of the thoughts intrusive. It's a very personal episode. How do you like this? Very, as we're floating around in this hobo's brain. Very personal episode. I've, I've never committed self-harm. I've never cut myself. I've never attempted suicide. I've never done anything like that. I love myself. I love my body. I have this weird thing about spoons scooping my eyeballs out. We talked about that on Friday's episode. A little foreshadowing there for you. This weird thing about when I'm... It's only when I'm in the kitchen and I'm preparing food and I grab a spoon, I think about scooping my eyeballs out. I don't know why not just one of them. I mean, I'm not Superman. I think the first one would stop me the amount of pain. But I just recently did that episode about that woman pulling her eyeballs out um, because she was on meth. Um, swallowing rocks is a weird one. Now, not, I know what you guys are thinking. I know you guys are thinking I'm the rock biter from the never-ending story. With my strong hands, I couldn't hold on to my friends. Apparently, he's also Vin Diesel now. My family couldn't hold on to him. No, I'm not the rock biter. I used to go into, like, witch Wiccan stores all the time, witch stuff supply shops, you know, it's basically Lowe's hardware, but for the paranormal. And they'd have those little polished rocks. I'd always want to eat them whenever I'd walk by that. And I wasn't hungry. It wasn't like if I went to McDonald's beforehand, I wouldn't have this problem. I could walk into a place. Specifically, it was a weird thing. It was a magic. It had to be a store that was all magical and stuff. I'd want to swallow polished rocks. I would never think about it. I'm never walking on the street and being like, mm, now that's some quartz. That's some quartz that I want to eat. Never. I've never been on like caving and been like, mm, they're like sucking on a stalactite. No, it was just polished stones in Wiccan stores, because I've been to a lot of them. Super weird. Super weird intrusive thoughts. When I'm working out, and I'm lifting those weights, those 80-pound uh, weights in each arm, on each finger, when I'm lifting weights and I have them above my head, I think about dropping them on my head. Now, it's not like I'm afraid I'm going to drop them. It's different than that. It's not that I'm afraid I'm going to lose my grip and I'm going to drop them. It's the thought that I'm going to do it on purpose. It's an unwanted thought. I would never want, I of course would never want to destroy my brain with a weight. But when I'm lifting those weights above my head, I'm not thinking, what if I drop them? I'm thinking, oh, I should drop them right now. I've also, and this is something that's popped up a lot on the show. A lot on the show. And this, I think, has become OCD. I have a fear. It really, it's an intrusive thought. It's become more than that of becoming a drug addict or an alcoholic. Because what I fear the most, and I've done tons of stories on this, is losing control. What's funny is every single fight I've ever been in, 
I don't want to use the term premeditated because that's a legal term, but every single fight I've been in, talking to the guy, talking to the guy, talking to the guy, and the conversation's over. It's not there, it's there's not even a level of anger there. It's very looking at the pros, looking at the cons, calculating it. We're fighting. I've never been sitting next to someone and them running their mouth, running their mouth, and then I just lose control and just lay into the dude. It is always Unless this unless this episode's being played for a trial later on, then maybe in one instance, maybe in the instance I'm on trial for, I lost control, Your Honor. But for the mo for every time other than this, jury, jury of my peers, I've never lost control. My fear, though, is losing control. I'm a big guy. I'm strong. I mean, very weak, Your Honor. <laughs> I could never have pummeled that man. I'm a big guy. I've always been a big guy. I've always been a strong guy. I've been in a lot of fights. I know how to fight. My fear is losing control. That's never happened. Never happened. Ever happened. But I'll have intrusive thoughts about becoming an alcoholic and drinking and losing control. Becoming a drug addict and drugging and losing control. And I really think being an alcoholic and being a drug addict is the ultimate form of losing control. You, The drugs drive what you do each day. I used to drink and I used to smoke weed, right? Back when I was in college. I did all that stuff, and then I stopped. Now, as an older man, I'm 43 years old, I drink maybe four or five times a year, maybe a little more, um, and I don't use drugs. That's OCD level. Like, I'm afraid if I drink more than once every two months, I'm going to become an alcoholic, and that's simply not true, see? I have such a intrusive thought about alcohol equals alcoholism that I can't drink alcohol. And the funny thing is, is there will be times when I do drink and I get super nervous. It actually has the opposite effect on me at the time because I'll drink one beer, I'm a total lightweight, my vision gets hazy, I get a little stumbly, and I start to have anxiety attacks because I'm not in control. I feel like my body is doing something that I'm not in control of. So the intrusive thoughts, if you really let them get to you, will cause... I, I don't care about drinking, obviously. I used to drink every single day all through college and beyond. Every single day I was drunk and I was stoned. And I was fine, dude. I mean, it was, it was fine. But it's weird because back then I didn't have intrusive thoughts about it, see? It's in the time period of, say, when I stopped would have been, I don't know, 27, 26, 27? From 27 to 43 when I wasn't doing those things. Those intrusive thoughts have developed. See, back then I didn't have a problem with it. I could get stoned all day. Now, 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 I don't even like the idea. I do don't. I don't even like the idea of getting stoned. It 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 frightens me honestly, of me being stoned. Why? Because I'm afraid I'm going to lose control. But I never have. But I'm afraid I will. That's the interesting thing about intrusive thoughts. So what I do now is I just acknowledge them. I go, oh, that's funny. You want to swallow rocks? It would be OCD if I said I'm not going to go into any Wiccan stores that have... I mean, there's none that exist up here, but I'm not going to go any Wiccan stores with polished rocks. I just accept that. I I hang out with people who do drugs and drink alcohol, and I just don't engage with that. I don't do it as well. But, you know, it's you just kind of have to acknowledge that you have that. Don't do that. If you're actually suffering with alcoholism or drug abuse, don't hang out with those people. But you have to acknowledge you're having the thought and then just move on. You can't ignore it. You don't want to indulge in it. You don't want to go, oh, maybe I should throw boiling water on my face. That's another one. I don't know if I've mentioned that one yet, but 
I'm afraid I'm going to throw boiling water on my face. There's a whole host of them. There's a whole host of them. Most of them are self-harm. I've never, ever hurt myself on purpose. Ever. But my intrusive thoughts go, hey, man, you should look at that spoon. Look at that spoon over there. Look at that boiling pot of water. Mm, Look at these delicious rocks. I'm like, no. So I have them. You have them. Hannah Reese has them. Everyone has them. If you're struggling with them, you're not alone. If you've ever thought about doing something horrendous and you never would have ever done it, you're just an intrusive thought. Just go, oh, I heard about that on Dead Rabbit Radio. And just move on. Don't try to ignore it. Just acknowledge that it's there. Acknowledge that you're having this thought. Acknowledge what it is. It's an intrusive thought. And it will go away. Another one might pop up. But you don't want to get it to the point where you can't have a beer with your friends. I've had maybe three beers this year. Maybe more. Maybe six. This year. So, I mean, I'm not saying that's the end all. I'm not saying that my life sucks because I'm going to have beer. But obviously, I've let that intrusive thought get the best of me. So, let's go ahead. Let's fly this bio bunny. We're going out of this dude's nose. We start flying away. And then we're going to grow big. And the, the almost like, oh, the voice is in my head, the voice is in my head. But now he feels relieved and he actually went and got a job in 15 minutes. That's a thing now. You can get a job in 15 minutes. So we wave goodbye to our no longer homeless friend. He also got a house in 15 minutes. Miracle. The Bio Bunny's a miracle drug. Stefan, let's fire up that carpenter copter. We're leaving behind the Sprint store where this man now works. We are headed out to... Pulaski County, Kentucky. It's 1938. We're in Pulaski County. Stefan, bring that carpenter copter nice and low. We're going to transform it into a house. It's just a house. It just lands and it becomes an old timey 1938 house. We walk out of it. We're wearing old timey clothes. We're going to meet a man named Carl Pruitt. He's a carpenter. That's his job by trade. He comes home and his wife is making out with a dude. And so he wipes the sweat off his brow and starts running after him. And the dude, smartly, jumps out of the window and runs away. But this guy, Carl Pruitt, is so enraged about what's going on that he strangles his wife to death. And then he gets his pistol and he puts it to his brain and he pulls the trigger. Now the family goes... When we bury these people, that dude's so disgusting. Let's put her, let's put the wife, like in the regular part of the cemetery. The nice part, where all the good dead bodies are. These people are barely decomposed. Not like them poor people over there full of worms. They take Carl Pruitt's body and they actually put it as far away off in the cemetery as possible. You have this gravestone, right? And it says like, here lies Carl Pruitt. He's a real piece of work. And on the gravestone, an image of a chain starts to appear. Because you remember the chain earlier in the story? Me neither. Me neither. I have no idea why a chain is appearing on this gravestone, but it is. It had nothing to do with anything else. He wasn't a chainer. He had the chain growing on his gravestone. Now, people started going, well, that's weird. I've seen a lot of tomfoolery in my life, but I ain't never seen no chain grow on a gravestone. So people go there and they look at it. And then they go <laughs> and they go home. But one day there is a kid named James Collins. And he's like, come on, guys, let's go on down to Carl Pruitt's gravestone. And just look, just, just look at his gravestone. Because everyone in town at this point, 
thought it was super spooky that this chain was appearing on his gravestone. So James Collin goes down with his friends. They ride their bikes down. They have a real Goonie-esque adventure. They're going down slip and slide, attacked by an octopus. Eventually, they get to Carl's gravestone. And James Collin goes, what? This gravestone's lame. You know what would make it even better? If I threw a rock at it. So he picks the rock up. There was a rock there, by the way. He didn't bring it all the way from Goonie land. He picks a rock up and throws it at the gravestone. So hard that a piece of it chips off. Now, I don't know what they were feeding kids back in the 1930s, but I do know this. I do know this. There is no boy 50 miles north, south, east, or west of Pulaski County, Kentucky, that could knock a tombstone, a chunk of a tombstone off with a rock. And I also have to ask, how delicious was that rock? (laughs) As he's throwing it, I'm all gulp. I'm eating it. James Collin throws a rock at the gravestone. And part of it chips off. Now, James Collin goes, what? That gravestone sucked. I've thrown rocks at all the gravestones here and no chipping yet. So James Collins decides it's time to leave. Everyone's like, oh, we're out of here. So they're riding their bikes home. And then, James, James, look out! One of his friends exclaims. And James is like, what? And the bike starts like twisting and stuff like that. He's like, oh, oh, oh. And then he falls off the bike and the bike like flips up. And the bicycle chain wraps around his neck and snaps his neck. Ah! Now, hold your questions. Hold your questions for the end of the segment, okay? Because we're just getting started here. So James Collins got his neck broken with the bicycle chain. The mom of James Collins, Mrs. Collins, finds out about this. And she's obviously bereaved. That was a brand new bike! I just bought that kid that bike! Also, boo-hoo-hoo, my son, my son died in a freak accident. She decides, after James is buried and all that stuff, she's so mad at the gravestone of Carl Pruitt that she goes, this family must have been the inventor of steroids. Because first off, we have a kid take a rock and smash a chunk of a gravestone off of it. The mom, the mom grabs an axe and chops up the tombstone. So at this point, we have three possibilities. One, the story's made up. Two, (laughs) that woman's from Krypton. Or, I mean, the tombstone was made out of real cheap. Maybe they really went cheap on the stone for this guy. Maybe they just got, like, some salt rock for his gravestone. But she chops up the gravestone with an axe. Everything is normal now. (laughs) Her superhuman strength is known the world around Lex Luthor. Old-timey Lex Luthor is coming after her. Anyways, she's doing the laundry a couple days later, and she has her clothes up. She has her cape, her red cape up. She's like, oh, I should hide that. She has all of her clothes up, and then people hear, like, a scuffle. And they go and they check on her, because that's not a normal noise, right? That's definitely not a normal noise. Any noise that gets louder and louder and then just stops. They go over and check on her. She's hanging by the clothesline. She doesn't have little pins in her. She doesn't have any, like, clothespins, and she's hung up. That would be funny, right, if she's hung up. But no, the clothesline is wrapped around her neck. Suicide, maybe? Grief of her son? Accident? Or murder? Because her clothesline was different. (laughs) Her clothesline was different than every other clothesline in existence ever made because her clothesline... Clothesline. Maybe there were more of these. I don't know. I'm not a history buff of laundry mat pre-1955, but it was a laundry line, but it wasn't the normal rope 
it was a little chain. <laughs> Her laundry line was chain link. People are like, well, that's weird, right? That's First off, that's weird that she had a chain link clothesline. But we have a guy who has a gravestone with a chain appearing on it. We have a kid who threw a rock and then he got killed by a bicycle chain. We have the mom who chopped up the gravestone. We still don't know how that's possible. She's hung by a chain. Let's go back to the gravestone and see what's going on. Let's go back to where the story started. But it's all rubble, remember? She chopped it up with her axe. They go back to Carl Perut's grave. The tombstone is 100% back to normal. So at this point, you figure the townspeople would be like, let's just, let's just wall off this part of the cemetery. You can count those two deaths up to coincidences and things like that. There's no coincidence. There's no coincidence for matter reconstructing after it's being destroyed. That's impossible. And I get it's a ghost story. And I'm not saying that the story's totally fake because of this because of this detail. I'm not saying that. I'm saying in a world where that's possible, you don't allow the following events to happen, right? You just kind of like put a protective bubble over it or something. Or a chain. Build a little chain around it. Keep people away. Because what happens is, later on, this dude is riding through town on a like a stagecoach. He had like a horse and buggy. It's 1938. So get with the times. I imagine at this point, it's more expensive to feed your horses than it is to buy a car. But... I don't know, maybe he's, maybe he's Amish, maybe it's a religious decision, and I'm just being a total jerk. But anyways, this dude is riding by on his horse and buggy with his family, and he hears about the legend. This legend is well known at this point. This gravestone has a chain on it, it's already killed two people. So he's riding through town with his family, and he sees this tombstone, and he goes, ah oh, yes, the famous tombstone. He decides to test his luck, he pulls out his rifle, click. Shoots the gravestone, knocks a piece of it off. The horses get scared, which will kind of happen when it's the middle of the day and you're firing a long rifle right next to him. The horses spook, and now the whole stagecoach... It's not a stagecoach. It's a horse and buggy. They're not going to get robbed at some point. The horse and buggy... I'm moving my recliner to make the noise. He's riding in the horse and buggy. And they're getting super like freaked out because he's losing control of this thing. Two things. One, remember his family's in the back, right? So we got two things going on. First off, his family jumps off of, which I have written in my notes, jumps off the stagecoach. Again, not a stagecoach. They're like, who's grabbing the Wells Fargo bags of money? That it's, it's a regular horse and buggy. So that's first. His family gets away safely. Second thing, his horse reigns. You know, like, so he's sitting there. And you know where I'm going with this, right? He's sitting on the top of this horse and buggy. And he's holding on to his reins that go to the horses. And these reins are... (laughs) These reins are made of chains. Which I actually looked it up. There were some horse reins made of chains. So, I don't know about the clothesline thing. But apparently some horses were just too wild for just regular old leather and rope. So he's riding the buggy. And at this point he's looking down at the chains. He's like, "Uh uh-oh, I should have really bought those other ones. Or, you know, not shot at a haunted tombstone associated with chain murders. The horse buggy's going out of control. He sees his family in the distance waving goodbye. Because they know what's happening too. They also know he shouldn't have shot at that tombstone or bought chain horse reins. And then his head gets underneath the chains, the horse reins things, right? Try saying that. Try saying that one time fast. 
and then, uh, uh, and the horse turns quickly or just keeps going straight ahead. Doesn't matter. You're right. You have chains wrapped around your neck. But in the story, the horse veers quickly to the left and snaps his neck. Now, remember, just for a quick refresher, the story of Carl Pruitt is a man who walked in, found his wife in the arms of another man, murdered her, strangled her, not with chains, right? Just strangled her. And then shot himself. No chains were involved. His name wasn't Chain Pruitt. And he wasn't a dude who made chains. He didn't live in Chinatown. <laughs> you know what I mean? None of his origin story had anything to do with chains. It was just that a chain appeared on his tombstone. So why is he killing people with chains? Who knows? It's not over, though. At a certain point, there's a local congressman who finds out his constituents keep getting killed by a ghost using chains. So... There's two things you could do. There's a thousand things you could do, but the congressman could easily just ban all chains, right? Just make it a chain-ville town. There's little signs outside of schools, chain-free zone. You could do that. Or you just send cops. Send cops there to investigate it. Find out if there's any truth to it. Okay? Now, what are they supposed to do? Take fingerprints? They're supposed to dig them up and take fingerprints? I don't know why they thought... Just start banning chains, anything that's linked together. It's just ban chains. You can't even put chains on your car. Cars are constantly sliding in the snow. They're like, it is a small price to pay to not be murdered by a chain ghost. But that doesn't happen. They send the cops out to investigate. And one of the cops goes, oh, you know what we should do? We should take a photo of this grave. We take it back to our congressman and goes, look, the stories are true. We don't know anything about all the murders. <laughs> what do you think? We are cops? Do you think we can investigate that stuff? We're good at taking photos, though. They take a photo of the tombstone, and then they walk back to the car. The guy who took the photo is driving, and the guy who's going to be alive five minutes from now is in the passenger seat. And the car, the cop car is driving on the road. And the driver looks up in the rearview mirror and sees a light following him. He's like, what? That's weird. And the passenger's like, wait, 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 what's weird? What's weird? Oh, nothing. Nothing. Just that ghostly light that's been following us ever since we left the cemetery. This light's chasing him. The car, cop car is going down the road. The light going down the road. Doesn't make any noise. What'd you expect? It's just the light. Cop car's going, going. And the passenger's like, oh, I wish I could jump out of this. I wish it was a horse and buggy. Stop, stop, slow down, slow down. And the driver won't slow down because he knows what's going to happen. He's looking at all chain-related things in his car. He realizes he's wearing gold chains he just stole from Mr. T. He's like, ah! He's driving. The road has a turn in it. Now, if he can make the turn, he's going to be safe, right? Because we all know lights can't turn. But if he doesn't hit the turn, he'll drive off-road to prevent people from making that very same mistake. To protect the motorist of Pulaski County, they put up two posts... And chain, <laughs> chain to keep people from accidentally driving off the road. But in a town where everyone's getting killed by chains, a bad idea. The police car drives through the two posts, bonk, hits the chain, and flips over. Wait, does it flip over? Let me check my notes. The car hits the chain. And the passenger's like, oh, oh man, horrible accident. <laughs> there was a chain. Last thing I saw was a chain. My eyes are closed right now, but I'm <laughs> make a guess that the driver is dead and is probably decapitated by the chain. The cop, the cop gets out of his car without looking at all. He's like radioing it in. He's like, "Hey, hey, um, I'm, I'm gonna keep my eyes closed, but I'm pretty sure my partner's head is laying in his lap." 
After this happened, there was a guy named Arthur Lewis. He realizes the curse has to end. No more dead cops, he says. So he doesn't care about anyone else. He doesn't care about anyone else. But he goes to the gravestone with a hammer and chisel, and people late that note. You know how this is going to end, right? I just jumped to the end on this one. Neighbors of the graveyard are hearing a ching, 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 as he's trying to chip away the gravestone. Ching, ching, ching. No! What happened was he was chiseling away, ching, ling, ling, and they heard him scream. That was a to-be-continued moment. And then the next morning they found him. He had a chain wrapped around his neck, but not any chain, not just any chain. There's like a chain. Again, guys, come on. There was a chain gates for the cemetery. So to get in and out of the cemetery, like when they woke up in the morning, the grave people, what are they called? <laughs> the desiccated bodies? No, the, the morticians. They would move the chain and then you could drive your car through and mourn your loved ones. And then at night when all the cars left, they'd put the chain back. Like it's a drive-in movie theater or something like that. Don't have chains in the graveyard with a ghost who murders people with chains. So what they think happened was that something scared him. Most likely the chain-murdering ghost. And he was running and got his head wrapped around the chain. Or maybe the chain flew around and wrapped it around. The point is, is that they noticed there was no destruction to the tombstone. I guess the point is another man died. But eventually, they decided to move all the gravestones out of the area. Except for his, because they figured this guy, they didn't want to mess with, like, would you dig up this body, right? They're like, okay, we got some construction equipment that can pull his gravestone up. You'll never notice he was here. And they're like, great. And they're like, bring in the chain machine. It's a bunch of, like, rattling chains. The whole machine's nothing but chains. Everyone's like, no, 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 just leave me here. Eventually, a company decided to build a strip mining location on the property. The county gladly sold it to him. Didn't tell him about, didn't tell him about the curse. They're like, hey, what's this gravestone over here? And they're like, oh, nothing. Um, you can just destroy that and get it out of the way. And they're like, oh, that's awesome. They hated that company anyways. So that story has been going around Pulaski County. It's a local legend. It's a very convenient one, isn't it? Where the place has been destroyed. You can't visit it now. Let's wrap it up like this. Jason B., He's a writer for a website called Cult Nation. He actually really dug into this story, so I appreciate it. He did a lot of the background research on this stuff. Is any of this true? Obviously, destroying the grave and it coming back. In a world of magic and ghosts and stuff like that, that's something that can happen. In a world of physics and real-world stuff, like that would obviously be a game-changer. If they could have documented, if they brought out a bunch of physicists, Albert Einstein was alive back then. They bring him out here and they're like, look, Mr. Einstein, first you don't have any gold chain watches on you, do you? Okay, thank you. There's no there's no West Coast rappers here, right? Okay, good. They destroy it, and then they're like, just sit and watch and it reform. That would change the world of science. But, you know, that is unlikely. Parts of, the, parts of the story may be true, and parts of the story may not be. So there was not a guy named Charles Pruitt ever alive in that area. However, there was a guy, and this was Jason B. did all this research. There was a guy named Enos C. Pruitt. So he may have gone by his middle name, right? Now we're guessing, but Enos Pruitt, he actually did kill himself with a gun. That death took place in 1910. Remember the Carl Pruitt story? He supposedly killed his wife in 1938. So we have that. We have the Enos Pruitt. But as far as the police, there was no record of police being killed. There was no record of anyone named James Collins. There's a lot of people that were named. The guy who was in the coach and buggy, He was named, I just left it out for brevity, but now I have to explain that I left it out now, so it actually makes it a little bit longer. 
There was a guy by his name who died in like 1917, a couple counties away. So you do have some of the names that match up, but it's probably just a shot in the dark. Other names like James Collins, the mom, those names didn't exist. Arthur Lewis, he was the guy, the last guy who died. He didn't exist. There's a photo supposedly of Carl Pruitt, but there's no proof that that's an actual photo of him. And if Carl Pruitt was actually Enos C. Pruitt, that photo would not have been taken in 1910. Technology wasn't there yet. It's a pretty crisp photo from, you know, of, of the 40s. Jason B. tracked the story back, and I actually saw this pop up in my notes as well. The earliest version of the story was from a book called Beyond the Grave, written back in 2000. And Jason B. said he contacted the author, Troy Taylor, to try to figure out more about the origin of the story, but he never heard back from him. So it's possible that it's a fictional story made up by an author to sell a book. It's definitely possible. It's possible that it is a local legend that's grown over time. Now, there was a man named Enos Pruitt who may have killed his wife with a chain, right? Wouldn't that make more sense? I'm not giving you murderer's tips. I'm like, use a chain, not your hands. Less cramping in your thumbs. And then he killed himself, and then the legend grew. And nobody wants to keep telling a ghost story about a guy named Enos, right? So they changed it to Carl. That's possible. This is one of those interesting stories where whether or not it's true is kind of irrelevant. What does this story do? It's an invitation to adventure. They moved his body. The strip mining company, they just didn't start, let's start here, boys. And they just chopped him up. They moved his body. So what that means is somewhere in Pulaski, which I've mispronounced every single time I've said it, I've had a different way of pronouncing it each time. That body is still somewhere in that county, hidden, maybe even unmarked. And it's one of those stories that invites bored teenagers or kids to hop on their bikes and explore the countryside looking for the haunted location of a murderous ghost one of the most rare type of ghosts and it's one of the best ghost stories because you can still go out to try to experience it on those lazy weekends you can convince your friends hey guys let's drive around let's drive around random locations and see somewhere in the brush out in the middle of nowhere maybe we'll stumble across the faded tombstone with a crystal clear chain emblazoned on it Oh, yeah, we should go up to Old Man Hoot's place. I heard that there's a weird mound in his backyard. We should go and check. We should go get our buddies together. It's an invitation to adventure. It gives you permission to explore. And I think those are always the most fun ghost stories, really. Because, again, this one's most likely not true. In whole, parts of it may have been. But as a full sequence, these murderous ghosts are so rare to have one just start chopping people down because they take photographs of it. But who knows? I just like to think that somewhere out there in Pulaski County, a bunch of kids are getting ready to go on a ghost hunting adventure to see if they can finally prove whether or not Carl Pruitt ever existed. And more importantly, is he really capable of killing people from beyond the grave? Generations of kids have gone on ghost hunts like that. I guess you can say. (laughs) Some things. (laughs) Some things never chain. (laughs) I was planning on that. I was planning on that pun for like 15 minutes as I was recording this. Like, I'm going to end it like that. DeadRabbitRadio gmail.com is going to be your email address. You can also hit us up at Facebook.com slash DeadRabbitRadio. Twitter is at DeadRabbitRadio. 
Dead Rabbit Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day. I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great one, guys. <laughs>